Welcome to the Parenting Well podcast with Parent Engagement Network. I'm Dr. Shelley Mann, your host, and today you're listening to Parenting Well, where we know that parenting well is challenging and that all parents are the best parents they know how to be. We firmly believe that the foundation for raising healthy, happy youth is for us as parents to fill our own well with useful, reliable, credible information, tools, and strategies. This leaves us more engaged, educated, and empowered to support our children in being strong, resourceful, confident, and resilient in the face of life's many challenges and adventures. So let's fill that well. Today's well source is Jesse LeBeau. At a young age, Jesse developed a love for sports, particularly basketball. However, at five foot eight, Jesse had nearly every odd stacked against him. Despite his size and circumstances, he managed to rise above it all and became a name in the world of streetball, regularly featured on TV, film, and international tours. He has even made a name for himself on the big screen in Hollywood in the Warner Brothers film Thunderstruck, as well as the Emmy-nominated TV sitcom This Just In. Currently, he plays himself on The The Bow Show, a reality series that allows viewers to follow him around the country to see firsthand the major impact he is having on youth, particularly troubled teens. His empowering story of triumph encourages everybody at any age to think of themselves and how they can turn their biggest weaknesses into their greatest strengths. So welcome, Jesse. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, that's a mouthful there. That was quite an intro. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) You bet. Well, I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Um, I think a lot of our our parents and young people can relate to the fact that um, sports is a big part of young people's life and oftentimes a huge part of how they identify with themselves and build relationships with friends. Um, So I I thought we could start. You want to share a little bit about what was it like for you just being involved in sports and in basketball and maybe recognizing early on that you were a little shorter than some of the other players? Yeah, it said 5'8", which may or may not be a little generous, um, I think, on the actual height. Maybe I'm shrinking. My my nephew, we did it on the wall yesterday, and uh, he is a 13, and he is an inch taller than me now as well. So it's just, it's all bad on that front. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, I grew up on a little island in Alaska, and um, sports were a little bit different up there. Um, So I actually took a boat every day to get to school and basketball was king because it was inside where it was warm and there was light because it gets dark uh, half the year in Alaska too. So baseball and soccer, I was also really into, but it was sometimes snow on the field. I remember playing when it was snowing, lightning, thunder, um, and it just rained so much, 13 feet a year in our little town. So we called it liquid sunshine. Um, but my older brother, um, was nine years older than me. So I got to see him play in high school and hit three pointers and the whole gym would be packed out with like 3000 people in there. And so I was like, I just want to be just like my older brother. And that's where a lot of the inspiration came for getting into sports and particularly basketball. And the interesting thing was my dad, um, he, you know, he was there to to throw the ball, to play pepper, to rebound when we were shooting free throws. Soccer, he didn't really uh, get involved with because I just think he had no soccer knowledge or ability. <laughs> um, but the thing that he really pushed onto me at a very young age was we would watch the best players. We'd go to the baseball field and we'd watch the older kids and we'd see what did the best player do, not when they had the game winning home run or the great play, but what did they do? when they struck out, 
What did they do when they got a bad call? Did they throw their bat? Did they throw their helmet? Did they yell at the umpire? Did they cuss or blame their teammates? Or did they hustle off, go back out in the field and be a good teammate? And he always emphasized with me that attitude is everything. And you can tell a lot about how someone's going to do in their life by how they handle tough situations and in sports. And so that's the thing I built a whole life and career uh, around is this attitude is everything. And it was really from these life lessons that my dad taught me through sports. And and it's been uh, incredible to see because I talked to so many parents and so many of them still don't have it figured out that it's not about winning and losing. And I had a pretty successful um, sports career. You know, I went on to to play college and get a full scholarship and and um, and then play beyond college and those things. But I lost a whole lot more than I ever won. And that was with a pretty successful career. So it's how do you handle adversity? How do you handle things when it doesn't go your way? And so that's the beauty of sports. And that's the thing I, I try to impress upon parents. And uh, I go to these games on the weekends and you see parents going crazy and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember this season of life. It was a really fun time, Little League Baseball, basketball, soccer. Um, But a lot of people are missing the bigger picture and um, not setting their kids up for success in life, which is the most important game that they'll ever play. Right. Oh, that's a great way to say it too, right? It is the most important game you play and you're going to get a lot of curveballs <laughs> giving Definitely. a sports reference. Um, yeah. And I love that. So, I mean, I, I hear a couple of really cool things in, in what you're sharing. And that is that one, your dad was there doing things with you, practicing with you, you know, just spending time together. Cause we know that like kids like to open up when you're in relationship with them, not just when you're like, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation. They do it in, you know, naturally when you're doing fun things together, but also just taking those little life lessons and and bringing attention to them. So um, is that what what you would say? One of the biggest things you share with parents is how they can, they can listen for those things with their kids when you're, when you're sharing your message. Yeah, 100%. So for me and my family, it was sports, but if you looked at my sister, she was a singer. She actually went to, um, college on a singing scholarship and she got all the musical ability in our family because me and my brother if we sing you know people will go running but it's investing time into the thing that your kid is into so it can be you know uh, a crazy movie series the twilight movies about werewolves and vampires it could be a sport it could be an art but finding that thing and consistently spending time and that's how you build trust and it's so tough and, and this is something in that we built a whole program around, but, and I'm guilty of this in my own life. You don't want to hear it from your parents. A lot of times, even the best <laughs> kids, you know how it is. They're going to roll their eyes when you tell them something. But if, you know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson or Kevin Hart or someone who they think is cool, says the exact same thing, then they're like, Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what I heard today. And you're like, I tell you that literally every single day. This is, you know, something that I'm sharing with you. And and I, like I said, I've done the same thing in my own life. I I called my mom up one time. I, I did a podcast with this um, NFL player. He's hosted the Ellen Show. He's done all these. He's won a Super Bowl. He's done all these things. I thought was cool, right? And um, and he told me, you know, the keys to success, Jesse. Or uh, it's not that it's not that hard. You got to work hard, and you got to treat people right. And if you do those two things consistently, it's going to pay off and people are going to want to see you succeed because you're treating them, you're treating them right. 
Um, and I told my mom that, and, and she was like, you dummy. Like, I tell you that <laughs> how many times I've told you that over the years. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you, you, she had, but I just didn't want to hear it. And this was, I wasn't even a teenager. I was a, you know, an adult at the time. And I've talking to different like uh, NBA players and they have the same story. You know, they wouldn't listen to me, but when Apollo Ono told them this thing at the Olympics, <laughs> he won't shut up about it. So it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, how good your relationship is, how cool you think you are or aren't. Um, there's a good chance at a certain point, they just might need to hear it from an outside source. And so that's the importance yeah. of, of mentors and the things like you're doing to help parents yeah. uh, have additional resources. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that, you know, sports is one of those places that really offers that opportunity to get not just coaching at the game, but coaching at life, like you said, and that's so important. When you, um, when you're speaking and you're speaking to young people, how do you connect with them? Like, what are the, the stories or the, the things that you say that have them really peak interest and listen to the, what you have to share? Yeah, so probably one of the most overused words today, authenticity. And I feel like that's such a thing that people just say, and they don't really understand what it means. Or sometimes I think when people think they can be authentic, it's just like, well, this is just who I am. Just take it or leave it. And it's like, well, that's a cop out too. You need to become the best version of yourself. You know, that works hard, that gets up early, that puts in the time, that doesn't make excuses and all those things. So initially 10 years ago, when I began my speaking career, I was, I'm a perfectionist. Um, the, the people in my life at the time, they'll tell you, I was walking around memorizing this thing word for word, you know, a 45 minute speech and, and I could do it. Um, but just repeating words, even if they're good words that are saying a good message, isn't going to connect or resonate with people if it feels not authentic. Um, and so early on, I would lean more on the accomplishments, like, oh, the kids will want to listen because some of those things you listed earlier, I've, I've played basketball on the same team with Allen Iverson and I've been in movies, uh, you know, with these different people like Kevin Durant, I've got to have uh, Heidi Klum hand feed me cheeseburgers for a full day for Carl's Jr. <laughs> I've got my first commercial was Kobe Bryant. So I'm like kind of doing the name droppy thing. Um, and that did, I mean, it definitely did get the kids excited and, and that was cool. And, and also I would do basketball tricks. So they're expecting some guy to come in there and say, Hey, you know, don't do drugs and and this is bad and and this is bad. Well, I come in and I do basketball tri tricks. I have the music that they're listening to that's that's the the in thing right now. So it's totally throwing them off guard. But what I learned was more important than the basketball tricks, more important than the self-deprecation humor, more important than me listing all these accolades was when I start telling this story about how I got bullied in the seventh grade. And how it made me feel to be an underdog, to be underlooked and underestimated. And the truth is the most powerful part of the talk when I go to these schools and, and give it is when I share my humanity and I share my struggles and I share my pain. That's the thing the kids line up afterwards and talk to me about is how they can relate to th that in their own life, whatever it is anxiety, stress, depression, loss of loved ones, cancer, drugs, you name it, they will yeah. identify their thing with your thing. Because when you start telling, when I was in the seventh grade, they immediately go to, well, I'm in the seventh grade or when I was in the seventh grade and they're the hero of the story. So that's my, that, that's my biggest thing is um, having fun too. I've learned the more fun I'm having the more fun they're having too. And so the more I can mix it up and make it less about me and more about them, 
And now that name droppy part with all the cool people and stuff is about a 60 second little blip that's about 35, yeah. 40 minutes into it. So I save all that and just and work with the other stuff now. Yeah, I love that. Man, that's so true. We can all look back on our life and think of so many times where we relate to other people's pain and struggle. And the story is really what captures that, right? Is being able to share that story. That's cool. And the tricks, I watched one of your videos. So for people listening here, get online and go listen or go watch those videos because they are super fun. (laughs) No one expects it. Yeah, no one expects it. So it's kind of that surprise factor. Yeah. It's really great. I, basketball was my sport when I was in high school, and I can promise you that I could not do anything like that. <laughs> Probably good, <laughs> though, because to... you've got, you know, double dribble and travel calls, and it's not the most yeah. legal moves, but it, it's uh, <laughs> in front of a big crowd. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, you talked about your pain and your struggle, and so I wonder if you could share a little bit about that with us, like, what was the turning point for you when you realized, and you know, maybe it's part of the conversations you were having with your mentors and your parents, but what was the turning point for you when you realized, okay, this is really hard and I am getting bullied and people make fun of me or whatever's happening that's um, making you feel like you're left out of things. You know, How did you make that flip? How did you then turn that to be something that helped you be resilient? Yeah, great question. So you know, for me, there's a specific moment that I like to go to that is very memorable. And it's the one I share when I go talk to the kids at schools. And it's just a, a kid bullying me at recess, going up for a rebound. And he's a he's tall, he's giant. And, he, and he's like, what are you going to be when you grow up? A pony rider is what he, and I didn't even know what it meant at first. And I, as time went on, I realized like, oh, he's saying I'm like so little, I can't even ride horses like a jockey. I'm going to like ride ponies. Mm-hmm. And in, in that moment, I remember being embarrassed because it was in front of, you know, all the other kids there that, that were in the gym. Um, I remember being angry and I just felt like I wanted to disappear. Yeah, I just wanted to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And as time went on and I reflected, I realized I really just had two options in that moment. I could choose to believe what he's saying and take it as the gospel and not go and chase my dream to be a, a basketball player, even though I'm shorter than everyone. Or I can choose to get better and I can take my life in my hands and create the life that I want to live and not care what anybody else has to say. And and this might be a, a little guy thing too. Sometimes we're known for having a little chip on our shoulder and having to prove ourselves. <laughs> Every time after that, someone would say something, it just was a little bit more fuel on the fire. And I said, you know what? I'm going to become the best I can with this basketball thing. And and I started getting up early every day Then I would take the boat across to school and I'd walk up to school and the janitor, his name was Larry. He would open up the gym and I'd practice hour after hour after hour. I just came obsessed with basketball. People thought I was nuts. Um, There was a movie back then called The Pistol about Pistol Pete Maravich. And he's just like a country kid dribbling a basketball, spinning on his finger. I did the Alaska version of this. Um, and that led me to, to be able to have the, the basketball career and entertainment career and still having basketball as my passion today. I've just kind of tweaked the dream from going from the NBA to like, Hey, I can use basketball to still make a living and do something I really enjoy. And ultimately I think I'm more passionate about this at this stage in the game than I would have, uh, just playing basketball for myself. So that lesson happened to me a few times in my life. And and another big one was after college. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my whole life because I'd just been only focused on basketball and basketball was coming to an end, it seemed like. 
And I went and was working on a commercial fishing boat. So I don't know if you've ever seen the deadliest catch, but it's not glamorous work. You're out for long periods of time. You don't get a lot of sleep. It's dangerous. And I was not good at it. And the captain did not like me because of a few different things. Um, and, and, um, mostly, I mean, mostly I just wasn't good. And so he was just like, this guy's supposed to be a college graduate. He doesn't know how to tie the knots. He gets seasick. Like all this stuff. <laughs> so I wrote in, um, on a little three by five card, a list of goals. I want to be in a movie. I want to be in a commercial. I want to be in a TV show. And of course he found this list and he made fun of me in front of everyone in the galley, in the, in the kitchen area on the boat. And I remember just being humiliated. Uh, and these guys like, oh, you're going to, my, my, my buddy who was in the bunk next to me. His name was Dan. And I like Dan. He goes, oh, you're going to move to Hollywood and be an actor. How original. And I just remember being like, all right, well, I can be embarrassed. And it was the same Storm and Norman moment. I can get bitter or I can get better. And, um, you know, I... I talked to my mom about it as well. And so this is a great uh, moment for parents. And she goes, look, you got these three options. You can go and sell carpet in Orange County and make 80,000 a year, which seems pretty cool. You can go play basketball in Hungary and not make very much money at all, but you'll still be playing basketball and working your way up. Or every time you talk about this basketball commercial thing, you, you get like excited and you get this light in your eye. You saved up money fishing. Why don't you go for it? And I credit my mom's um, little pep talk and self-belief and being in recognizing that thing that we talked about earlier that I was excited about. And I had a little bit of, of fire for, for me yeah. going for it. And, you know, about three months later, the captain was at his house and he was uh, turned on the Laker game and he saw me doing a commercial where I was the lead in it for Kobe Bryant. Um, and so it's that, it's that, all right, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to other people or are you going to create your own destiny and your dream life? And, um, you know, thankfully my parents being in my corner and being supportive was a big part of, um, me not just retreating into myself and caring too much about what other people think about me. It's beautiful what you just said, because I think that as parents, we're sometimes afraid that if our kids make a decision that doesn't work, something bad's going to happen instead of realizing, oh, okay, this is what's important. Let them go for it. And a choice is just a choice. You can always make a different one if it's not working, but yeah. to really tap into that thing that really fires them up. That's beautiful. I think that's um, the, the big yeah. lessons for parents as well is you don't want to protect your kids from failing. You want them to learn to handle failure because life is just failing over and over again. I mean, you know this. I'm sure there's many, uh, you know, cross-country bike rides you've met. I'm going here today. I'm going this many miles. I don't care the weather. I don't care how I feel. I don't care how I slept. And you get out there and you don't make it. Sometimes it's just... It's just not going to happen, but that doesn't mean that you're a failure. That doesn't mean that you can't go on and continue to, to do your passion, to do your hobby, to make a career out of it or whatever those things are. Um, and so, so many parents are going in front of that, their, their teens and they're going, you know, I need to you know, um, bubble wrap them and move the things off the road ahead of them instead of preparing them for the road ahead, because the world is a bumpy road. And if they're a human, they're going to go through adversity. They're going to go through tough times. And if they don't have the experience of knowing like, Oh, this is okay. This isn't the end of the world. I can get through this. Then it's going to be yeah. really, really difficult when those things come on a bigger scale in life. 
Yeah, and that's where confidence comes from, right? It's when you actually get the opportunity to get through something difficult and realize, oh, I'm able to do that. I can do other things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think confidence I preach is the key to all of it. Because whatever the research shows, whatever area they're struggling, whether it's bullying, dropout rates, anxiety, stress, depression, making a good group of friends, you name it. If they have a higher level of confidence, if they have more self-belief and self-esteem, it positively impacts every other area of their life. And the important thing that you just said is we can't give, we can't give our kids confidence. They have to earn it by accomplishing things. And they have to earn it by actually going through those things, like you just said, and saying, oh, I can get through this. Like there was, this was a difficult thing. Not everyone made it through, but I did. Even if it's just a small thing, getting to school, yeah. all right, I want to get to school today. I want to get up a little bit earlier. I want to um, lose five pounds. Those small wins add up and over time turn into big wins. So I yeah. love that you guys um, are, are out there spreading the confidence word because it needs to be, uh, you know, out there more. Yeah, thank you. And and I think you said something else really important, which is you don't have to bite the whole apple at the same time. Is that the right figure of speech? <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. one bite at a time. I'm yeah. not always that good at figures of speech, but it's yeah. one step at a time. And that one step will lead you to different choices that you might take another step. And so we don't have to get wrapped around the axle thinking that our kids need to go from zero to a hundred, right? They They just need to start doing things. Just moving yeah. in that direction. My mom, to, to bring in parenting, yeah. my mom used to say, you're kind of stumbling forward. So even if you're building like a speaking career or an entertainment career or whatever it is that you have going on, you're like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm heading in the right direction and I'm trying different things and I, I'm kind of stumbling forward. But I've look, I've covered some ground and I'm a little bit further ahead than the person that didn't take any action. So I, I just love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we talk about this and, and we talk so much about resilience, I think sometimes we we simplify resilience and we say, oh, well, it's going through something really hard in life and coming out stronger on the other end, which is absolutely true. But I think it leads us to think sometimes that resilience is like a thing you just go get when you go through something hard. And the reality is it is something we continue to build throughout our whole life. Because like you said, it is, it's a big game. Like we're, we're going to come up against a lot of challenges and we're going to be pushed in different ways that make us learn about ourselves. So yeah. I think that's a, another really cool so message. So good. Yeah. yeah. Continue, Cause sometimes you get to a point in life too, where like, Oh, everything's pretty good and everything's pretty easy. And we have enough money to pay the rent and, and put food on the table. And it's like, so how do you challenge yourself now? And my brother, he just got into a uh, cult plunging. I sent him like a podcast and all of a sudden he's like, <laughs> we're drinking hydrogen water together and we're cold plunging. And it's like that stinking cold plunge is miserable. And I hate it more. Every time I do it the next time, I'm like, I hated it more this time. But it's getting through that thing that's challenging and not easy. And when you get on the other side of it, you feel like you can do anything. And so when those other things come along that are more difficult and more taxing than getting in cold water, you're like, well, you know, I do this every day and it's uncomfortable and I get through it and that's life. And that's one thing I see so many kids struggling with today and their parents come to us and they're like, you know, hey, they we can't get them to go to school. They've missed so many days that we actually might get in trouble with the law in some in some states yeah. if you can only miss so many days. And um and it's like the kids don't realize 
life. Do you know how many things I have to do every single day that I don't want to do? That's what life is. You just get to do, not do things because you don't want to do them. If that were the case, most people wouldn't be doing anything. I got to get up at a certain time. I got to exercise. I got to eat certain foods. I got to talk to certain people. I got to drive certain places. I don't want to do all those things all the time, but that's part of being an adult. And that's what we're raising up as little adults and that can stand on their own two feet with that grit and resilience that you're talking about. And that means doing things you want to do all the time. All the time. You know, you just said something that reminds me of something I wanted to ask you, which is that you go and talk to people all the time and they learn things from your story. What do you think is one of the biggest things that you have learned from young people? Great question. So such a good question. I was almost going to interrupt you and go, well, the truth is I learn way more from them than <laughs> do from me. And that's, and that's the truth. Yeah. So the best thing about being a speaker and, and going and talking about attitude and then having a program where we work with kids and parents is that I am so immersed in this stuff. And I also have to hold myself accountable. So I, Okay, so here's a here's here's something I thought was funny to kind of bring it full circle for you. Um, I went to high school for two years. I left Alaska and went to California, and I was at a Christian school. And I remember this poster on the wall, and it said, "Evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere you go, and when necessary, use words." And I always thought that was so cool because it's like your actions and who you are impact and influence people way more than anything else that you can say. And the, 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 it's so true for parents. Like we talk about all these things, but what you do, how much time you spend on your phone, how you react to um, high pressure situations, emotional situations, the traffic, they're watching and they are going to mirror and pattern that. That's the most important thing that you can do. So for me, it's been to hold myself accountable. I fly so much. It's airports are just absolutely infuriating to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm wearing a shirt that says like attitude is everything. I'm like, you're the attitude is everything guy. All right. Just take a deep breath. Like, like just let them all go in front of you in the line, even though we're supposed to line up in a certain way, like they don't care. You know, I have these little battles all the time, but the, the most important thing from going and speaking is that accountability and then learning to listen to them. Um, I I just had one a couple of weeks ago in Chicago and Sometimes if I can kind of feel it in a room, I'll I'll turn it back over to them. And when they come up and share the things that they share, two two girls um, shared about some stuff they're doing about raising their own money that they were going to go and do a trip, but then donating it to help immigrants come into the country. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, well, that's way more amazing than anything that I'm talking about right now. And and giving them that space to not just feel talked Mm -hmm. at, but to feel heard because we all want to feel seen and heard, as you know. Um, And someone who is a great speaker or a great therapist or a great doctor, you can have your skill set and that's awesome. But I would take someone who just genuinely cares about what they're doing or the person that's in front of them over someone who has all the credentials and can be a smooth talker any day of the week because the other person, particularly kids, pick up if you genuinely care about them. And when they feel that that uh, that um, level of being seen and heard, they'll open mm-hmm. up in unbelievable ways. Um, and so I think that's a, a really cool lesson for anyone, whether you're a parent or just someone doing your thing. Um, when you when you really connect with someone and you really take an interest, um, you know they're gonna they're open up to you. That's how that's how we're wired as people in relationships. Yeah, yeah, that's another good example of humanity, right? 
And, and I think as parents, that's one of the things that, that we can do is we can sit with them, especially when they're having a really hard time or they've done something and gotten in trouble in some way is instead of just talking at them, ask some questions yeah. and listen, you know, what yeah. happened? How are you feeling about this? What would you do differently? As hard as it is to come up with those questions when you're like, oh, <laughs> why did you yeah. do that? Um, it's, it's important because it's part of that process of learning, learning how to pay attention to what, what you did and what it means and how it impacts people. One of the things that I always did with my kids when they were growing up was um, we didn't talk about consequences. We talked about impact. And so I, oh, I would always say to them, well, what do you think the impact of that is on the other person? You know, mm-hmm. and and then when they finished, I would say, well, what's the impact on you now? You know, so that they could process that their their actions have an impact on others. But it also, similar to what you're saying, it also influences you. It also impacts you. And then it has an impact on how you show up for other people. So totally, just a different little bit of a twist on that. But I think it's really important just to have our, our, our kids need to feel like they have the space to, to share and to say the hard things without the judgment. I think yeah. it's important. It, it does yeah. really- like kids are lacking um, to generalize, but kids are lacking in empathy today, especially when they're communicating through a, a screen and the whole yeah. social media works is kind of dunking on other people and seeing how you can and roast and troll and all those things. But mm-hmm. to be like, oh, there's actually another person behind that screen. How does that make them feel? How does that you know, impact them? I mean, how does it make you feel when that happens to you? Um, that That's one thing I really noticed after the pandemic, there was a, a, a big shift in how kids treated each other and also mm-hmm. how they treated their teachers and the adults in their lives. Um, mm-hmm. And when we talk about mirroring and patterning, when the whole world is fighting over, you know, Democrat and Republican and a crazy election and, and should things be open or should they be closed? Like, well, of course they're going to, they're going to take on some of that and they're going to behave mm-hmm. in, in that way as well. Cause that's what they're seeing out in the world. And that's what gets rewarded. So I love that exercise yeah. that you like think impact. How, how is it? I'm, I'm going to steal that one. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free. So the other question I wanted to ask you is, do you have a, a specific story of a kiddo that you just, that either stayed in touch with you or even just when you were at the speaking event, you just saw and they shared the impact that you've had on them? Wow. So yes, it's, and it's hard not to have a bunch Um, because every situation is so different. And when you start kind of down this path, you don't know how it's going to be received. So some of the early ones meant um, a whole lot. Um, The the very first talk I ever did um, was in my hometown in in Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, And it wasn't the best speech compared to what it is today. Um, But even that one, because my heart was in the right place and I was showing up really but what we talked about authentically and like, you know, and sincerely, there was kids that lined up and and opened up about some pretty unbelievable tough things that are going on at home. And that's the tough one when you see kids struggling in a way that is totally out of their control and due to factors and due to just the environment that they're in. That one is just so hard because with adults, Mm -hmm. when we see adults make bad decisions, you do drugs, you, you mess up your life. Oh, we feel horrible for you, but also like you made some of the the decisions that led to to where you're at today. But when it's kids, it's totally out of their control. Um, It's hard. So there's one, he came up to me after an event in Orange County and he had lost a dad and an uncle to suicide, both within six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
my story doesn't talk about suicide. My story doesn't talk about these things, but whenever he's kind of like my North star for whenever I'm going through things and I have challenges and it's like, man, this is a lot of work, like traveling on the road, like, you know, doing all these things. It's, I come back to that's the why. Um, and, and there's, there's another one in Alaska early on, we went to a school and then we did a thing in the library for anyone who wanted to come and kind of share things going on. And, and, um, it went for about two hours and we actually have it on film. Um, but the, the things that are the most incredible transformations, they never see, um, they aren't on the public platforms. Like we put things out, but we don't share the, the most difficult things that their people are going through because it's personal. Um, and yeah. sometimes I see people kind of ex exploiting that, but it was two hours of kids coming up saying the most crazy things you can imagine from, uh, you know, just different types of abuse, physical, mental, all of it. And we were able to get social workers and police officers involved, um, homelessness, mm -hmm. just crazy, crazy, crazy. So it's always different. And even in this one, I just did a couple of weeks ago, you know, someone shared something just unspeakable that you can't imagine the, you know, the worst thing that, um, that a kid can go through, um, most people would, would say, and, uh, you know, that's part of what makes this so special is that there is a huge need out there. People are hurting and not just kids, everyone. And so the more that mm -hmm. we can go out and we can just give people hope when mm -hmm. it comes to the suicide and the self-harm, one of the biggest ingredients, if you can inject hope, you know, into it, it can mm -hmm. make the world of change. Hopelessness is just absolutely devastating when kids get to that point. So um, if we can have fun and inject some hope into their life, it, uh, it goes a long ways. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, we actually have a sister organization with Penn called the Hope Coalition that focuses oh, on that, something that we, we uh, support fully at Penn. Um, so I, I usually ask people, how do you think adults need to show up for kids? And you've, you've somewhat answered that already. Um, yep. but I'm wondering if you have anything else you would add to that. Yes. Give yourself some grace. If yeah. you're listening to this podcast right now, I would project that you're in the 1% of parents who are actually going out of their way to take the time to give yourself more resources, tools, skills, to be able to be the best parent that you can be. So even if your kid's having a hard time, even if you're struggling, you're putting in the work and putting in the time. And that's one of the things I spent um, two years talking about 10 to 15 moms a day. And I heard just about every situation that you can imagine um, a mom, parent, family can be going through. Oftentimes oh. those calls led to lots of tears and they're all from a place of a mother's love and care and wanting the best for their child. And they take it so hard on themselves. You can be doing an absolute perfect job by the textbook, but every situation is different. Every kid is different. And so if you can just continue to show up and be there, take an interest in those things that they're interested in, when the time is right, when they need some advice, they need some help, if that rapport is built from you being there, they will open up to you. And it's just a waiting game. So having grace and just consistently doing your best. And when you make the mistakes, which you're going to make, when you're going to lose your temper, when you're not going to be a good example, be open and honest about it and use it as a learning moment. So, hey, you know, you came home and I yelled at you because you didn't take the trash out. That isn't the way that I should have handled the situation. And I want to do better next time. 
that in itself is so powerful. And most parents, and not to call my parents out, but my parents included, that's a really hard thing to do. And I don't feel like they did a lot of that yeah. because we're we're stubborn Alaskan people. But if, <laughs> if you can give yourself some grace and realize, hey, how can I use this situation to pivot into the positive and have a good attitude and make it a learning lesson? All of those situations can be very powerful. Ooh, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really, really special nugget for people. Is there anything else you want to leave people with today? I, I'd like you to share a little bit about how people can get a hold of you as well. But if you have like a final message or something you want to share, this would be a great time. Yeah. Um, I think that last one was kind of what I was what I was feeling yeah. today. Um, but yeah, I was gonna pile on literally focus on yourself, be the best you can be. And that is going to help you show up for your child to be along that same kind of lane there. So, um, and, and have grace, have grace. You're here, you're listening, you're doing things you really care. Um, and, and so that's great. The best place for people to check out if they want to look at, um, speaking stuff or our Facebook group that has a ton of resources or podcasts, um, or our team program, it's the attitude slash welcome. So the attitudeadvantage.com slash welcome. And then it has like one, it has one, two, three, four, five, six. It breaks everything down for what they need right there. So that's the best place to go. Awesome. That's perfect. And I'll put some notes in the show notes as well. So people can look out for you and watch some of your fun tricks doing basketball. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go check it out. (laughs) Very cool. Um, Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited to share this with our parents and our professionals that work with young people every day and um, so many great little nuggets in here for them to take with them. So thank you. Awesome. And thank you for what you're doing again in the world. It's much needed. So I'm glad you're out there doing it. Before we go, I do want to just shout out our sponsors. Thank you so much for our sponsors as we near the end of the year. It's always so wonderful to look back at all the people that have supported us. Um, Premier Members Credit Union has been on our on our side for a long time, and we just really appreciate your generous support. Also, please go to our website. It's P-E-N-B as a boy, B as in Victor.org. There you can find out other conversations we're having, um, online things we're doing, resources that we have for parents. Um, and you can also, if you felt inspired by today's conversation, you can become a sponsor there. And there's everything from a one-time donation donation to monthly giving to being a larger sponsor for our organization. So please check that out. Um, and thank you again for being here. And until next time, happy parenting.